Thank you for the wonderful leadership of our, our worship team. One of the things I've observed in my little time warp here is that some things never change. For example, fruitcake. You know, we had fruitcake too. You can take, have your cake and you can use it too. For instance, you can use it to fill in potholes along the roadway uh, to help the camel not to step in a hole. Or you can use it as a shot put just to build up your form a little bit. Or you can use it as a speed bump, and that helps the donkeys not to go so fast. Or a boat anchor out in the Sea of Galilee. Or you can use it as a flower press for those little memorabilias that you have. Or as a bed warmer. Just heat it to 350 degrees and toss it in under your blankets. And, or, or an ice pack. Just chill it for 12 hours, and uh, it helps for the aching or ailing muscles. Or a scratching post for your cat, perhaps. Some things just haven't changed, have they? Seriously, I'd like to share with you a story. I want to tell you a story, my story, about a long journey. It's a long journey that I made with some of my friends. We traveled for hundreds of miles. We searched for the answer that we were sure lie at the end of this journey. And what we found, well, it just amazed us. It was incredible. Astonishing. You know, at first, disappointment. Things go wrong on long journeys. And then something beyond our wildest expectations. Ah, but I'm getting ahead of myself here. I should tell you who I am and how I came up with this whole idea in the first place. First of all, who I am. I'm a magi, uh, or a wise man is probably a, a term you've heard more often. A wise man basically means you're old with a little bit of insight. And some of you have called us kings, but we really weren't kings. Uh, We were probably more like your university professors today. We had studied hard. We were knowledgeable. And we um, were advisors. We were diplomats, uh, emissaries uh, for the king and his uh, reign. We were from far east of Palestine, where your first Christmas story took place. We were in a country called Babylon. Today, you call it Iran. And and I was part of a group of men who had studied and studied for years. We had been appointed to the king's court and supposed to give advice and counsel to the king. And so we trained young princes. We advised and consulted with reigning kings. We were um, the most educated, really, in our society at that time. I dedicated my life to the study of history to see how things came to be, and also to the sciences, and especially astronomy. I studied the constellations. I studied the stars and and the sun and the moon and their impacts on our culture. Wise men are not unique to the history of Israel, you know. Joseph met wise men in Egypt, as did the great leader Moses. One of your great heroines of the Old Testament, Queen Esther, had contact with a Persian wise men of the time. Some of your prophets, Jeremiah and Ezekiel, talk of wise men. But there was a difference. You see, I had long um, studied and, and prayed and sought and searched for the one called Mashiach, or Messiah, as you call him. It's the Hebrew word for Christ, the anointed one. And I had studied and studied about this Mashiach. 
All that led to my journey with my friends, a journey of adventure, a journey of danger, a journey of intrigue. Your Bibles talk a little bit about it in Matthew chapter 2, but I, I, I want to kind of fill in. Fill in the story so you can get a feel for what it was like for me and for my friends. You see, I was in search of a king. My friends and I had made the journey for one reason only, and that reason was to worship that king. How did I even get to know about this Jewish Mashiach king? I guess it was really the stories in our families, especially on my mom's side of the family. That the Jewish nation called Judea or Israel was expecting a Messiah, Christ, the ultimate king. Not a temporary human one that's just here today and gone tomorrow, but one who would bring peace and freedom and joy and comfort and order out of the chaos, salvation to all of humankind. The stories had been passed down for generations, probably starting with with your prophet Daniel, who came and lived in our land for a season and worked in the king's court. When he lived in my land, he served the king. And our people saw Daniel's God, a living God, a God that could answer prayer, a God that incredible miracles, the one, the true living God, doing all sorts of signs and wonders. And I know that someday that I would meet that Mashiach. Then the day came. The day came. A group of wise men were studying the, the, the scriptures and the heavens. And I noticed a particularly bright light in the sky. Ah, I knew that this was the answer to all my longing, all my studying. I noticed that this light, this bright light, was so prominent in the sky. We called it a star, but probably in your day you'd call it a convergence or confluence of planets and stars and so on into one bright light in the sky. And I I, I noticed this particularly bright light was there in the western sky. I believed it to be an indication. I believed it to be a sign, an indication from the living God of the Jews that he was about to fulfill his promise to the prophets. And so I and some of my friends packed up and we started out on our journey, a long journey, a long journey in those days. The star, well, it disappeared after a time, but we trusted the sign. We trusted and continued westward. We finally arrived in Jerusalem, this capital city, which seemed to be the most logical place that a child king would be born, the one born to be king of the Jews. (laughs) However, we were very disappointed. We asked lots of people around us where we might find this boy king, and no one knew. No one seemed to know anything about this special birth. I had come hundreds of miles. I had committed years of my life. One person finally recommended that we go to the king's palace and inquire there, and so we did that. And we asked for an audience with King Herod. He seemed very interested in our story, and after consulting his own court wise men, he suggested that we check out a little village a few miles outside of Jerusalem, a little village named Bethlehem. And his parting words were that we should return to him with news of what we found, because he said he too wished to worship him. 
He seemed sincere enough at the time, but we found out later that he was a liar, and that he had very different intentions for visiting the child king. Anyway, where was I? Um, ah, yes, on to Bethlehem. We and our entourage made our way to this little village outside Jerusalem. And that, guess what? That same star appeared in the sky again. And it settled over this town and over this humble little house where Mary and Joseph and the toddler Jesus were. And so we knocked at the door. We knocked at the door and Mary answered. And, and we asked the question that we had asked dozens of other people in our time in Jerusalem Where is this child, this one born to be king of the Jews? We have come to worship him. Mary was stunned. I'm not sure if it was the question uh, or if it was all the regalia of our dress or if it was perhaps the donkeys and camels and the entourage outside. Joseph came and he asked who we were. And after we said a little introduction, they invited us in. When we saw the boy, we immediately fell prostrate on the floor. This was one, the one whom we had come to worship. This was the one whom we would learn later was the king of the Jews. But not only that, he was also the incarnate God, the Savior of the whole world. Everyone, including I and my friends, including each one of you, He's our Lord and Savior. Jesus came, little boy, and sat on the floor in front of us, kind of intrigued by this. Wasn't an everyday happening in your home to have some people come and visit from a foreign country. And he sat on the floor and he looked at us. And Joseph, by this time, was just pleading for us to get up. You know, get up. Don't don't be prostrate on the floor. And so we talked. They shared their story, amazing story, about the birth of this little child to Mary and Joseph. And then we shared our story and how we had looked and discovered and learned from this God of the Jews, which we had come to believe was the living God, the only true living God. And so we shared our stories. And, oh, yes, we, we brought gifts along with us. We brought along gold, gold the most precious. It stood for royalty, We also brought along frankincense. Frankincense used as a spice, also used to burn as incense. And showed or demonstrated loyalty, allegiance of giving yourself over to. And finally, myrrh. Myrrh used as an anointing oil, often used to anoint people for special tasks, also used as a burial balm to embalm a body in. It was interesting, this one. Little did we realize that a few years later, he would die a tragic death, this little baby, this little Savior, this little Lord, would die a tragic death on a cross. But then... After this sacrificial death as his destiny, we found out that he rose again three days later. He came back to life, conquering sin and death once and for all. Let me tell you something. 
I bowed that day to the Messiah. I bowed that day to the Christ. I gave myself to the one who was to be king of all, king of kings, Christ, the Savior and Lord of life. The question, the question is, how about you? What will you do? What will you do? This Christmas season could be the beginning of a real life with your Lord God. Far better than any gift that you opened up on Christmas Day. It'll last longer. It has the best warranty in the business. It's eternity. The choice is yours. Will you receive this gift, God's gift to you? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for those from a foreign country that were willing to come to trust that the stories they heard were true and to see the fulfillment of that truth and to worship you. God, we've come to worship you. For some of us, maybe today's the first time that we're worshiping you as our Lord because it makes sense, because we too want to give our life over to King Jesus. Lord, for others of us, it's a reaffirmation. It's a reaffirmation of our relationship to you. And so we recommit ourselves to you this morning. We've come to worship you in your name. Amen. I'd like to invite the ushers to come forward to receive the offering. Part of what we do as our worship to our God is to give back in, uh, in the form of finances. And so um, as we pass these plates today, I just invite those who are members of the church, please, um, you are the ones who, uh, this, is, this is our worship to God. And, and uh, if you're new to us, please just let that plate pass forward, pass by you, excuse me, or put a connect card in there so that we can get to know you better. But that's our duty as the church to do that. We're going to... Um, we're going to come into our theme song kind of for this season. So. Oh! 
心。